You're making one right decision today. You're listening to Handcuffs and Sage. Three badass moms bringing you all the true crime and paranormal your heart desires. I'm Red. I'm Timo. I'm Dre. And don't let your kids listen. Seriously, just don't. All right, everybody, it's Handcuffs and Sage. This is Red. Hey, this is Timo. And this is Dre. It Uh, is so hot out here in SCB, you guys. Uh, What? I'm sweating now. (laughs) I got tit sweat for days, you guys. Oh my God. I am so braless all the time. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I I got in the car like at like five o'clock this evening and it said like 108. And I'm like, what? I know. I'm like, no. I can't no, deal with the It makes me so grumpy. I hate it. When me I walk too. into my office, it hits me like a wall of heat. Yeah. The AC doesn't hit this room and it's, oh, it's so gross. I'm so sticky. Or as my husband would say, you are sticky icky. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> you are sticky icky, girl. Yeah. Well, where my dad lives, it was 120. So. <gasps> Oh yeah, he lives in Calexico, so like right at the Mexican oh, border. Oh shit, that's far. Yeah, that's correct. It is far. Mm-hmm. It is far. Um, so, how is everyone's week going? Uh, it was okay, I guess. Mine kind of was kind of bummed out. And shitty. <laughs> well, we, you know, we have. I live in a huge condo complex, and we have actually we have three pools. And our pools will not be open all summer long. That sucks. I am like so bummed. And it's because somebody has to be there to friggin' count. As many people that are allowed in there, they have to wipe down mm-hmm. everything. Like every, you know, it's just, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I have an idea. You get one of those um, lifeguard sexy bathing suits. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you man that pool, girl. I know. Stand volunteer. You, yeah, volunteer. Count those people. Fuck it. I, I, I could have done that six weeks ago, but my six weeks are up. So I am All back right. to well, work next tomorrow. Yeah. I don't have enough room in my patio, but I do have room in my garage to get one of those big blow up pools. So it'd be yes. in the same. <laughs> But there's a fridge right there, you know. I could have cocktails going and cool. And yeah, so I don't know. I we'll like see. how you're it's... thinking. Big thoughts, big dreams. Yeah, I like it. I just, Love I just cool. hate to see what that looks like when you empty it out. That's yes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like I got a plan. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, it's gonna be fine. All you have to do is siphon it through a hose out yes. into like the street or whatever. Go, go water your succulents. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't think that will work. But um... <laughs> no, probably not. What? I have a million what? A million succulents to water? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do, and Just I bought kidding. more today. I'm sorry. I have a problem. I know I have a problem. I have a problem. No, it's, intervention. It's not, intervention. It's not a problem. <laughs> it makes you uh, happy. Keep it up. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I had, like I said, when I post, I made a cute little plant stand with cinder blocks and wood. And I actually mm-hmm. have two empty pot, pot, pots on my shelf. So I'm like, oh, I have to go buy, you know, two little <laughs> succulents. I ended up you coming have home with like, to. yeah, I ended up have coming home with like 
one big one and then one medium one and then like three little little ones so whatever Aww. yeah whatever it's like no big deal it's fine i know <laughs> Um, I saw the cutest thing. There's this store. I don't know if you guys have seen it before. It's, you know, unique vintage. Oh, yes. And I saw it. Yes. I saw what you posted. I love yes. it. Yes. It just got me so excited. So I'm obsessed with Lucille Ball, right? I love yeah. Lucy. I love her. I love her humor. She's like your uh, spirit animal, girl. Yeah. I love her so much. And they came out with a line of Lucille Ball outfits. <gasps> yeah. I want all of them. I want to be skinny. So I can wear the outfits. There's but you know what I love? Cute. You know what I love about Unique Vintage is a lot of their models are plus size models. Yes. So and they're just absolutely gorgeous and Super you know I think they're perfect. Cute. You know, yeah. 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 I love it. So that got me kind of excited. I was sharing with the gals before we started that I had like the worst day ever at work, which is saying something. So I am double fisting it right now. Um, oh, wow. I have a, a Bud Light Seltzer Black Cherry. I highly recommend. Delish, really? Delish. Really? Um, and then I also have Pinot Prigio. So here, here oh, we go. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to drink both at one time because I need it. What's the percentage uh, on that on that Bud Light thing? Uh, not not enough. What is it That's like? What three, that is five? <laughs> it's five. It's like a beer. Oh, okay. Isn't that right. what a beer is? Yeah. But well, Bud Light's a like little, two yeah. point something. It's really mm -hmm. low, but. But that's oh. kind of like uh, truly or whatever too. So yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's like yeah. white cloth, right? The same right. thing. Mm -hmm. But right. I like the black cherry. I do. So that's my day. How are you doing, Dre? Good. We had a good week. Um, I spent a lot of time in the yard before it got too crazy hot. So Aurora and I decided that she needed fairy gardens. So we I have like I'm loving it. From fairy gardens, and there's a couple succulents in there. We need a lot more succulents. <laughs> Don't tell, of... <laughs> don't tell T-Mail because she will steal them. You'll be no. like, um, I'm propagating. I'm pretty sure that's the right way yeah. to pronounce it. I'm propagating. So I might actually have some for you once they mm -hmm. start like having babies. So that's so cool. Yeah. yeah so I told my mom have babies. <laughs> yeah. It was like one of our football moms was saying that she had some kind of like a big palm tree that like had little babies and she even yes. showed the the picture of the of like the dong because <laughs> there's like a male palm tree and a female palm tree right what next are to you each other. talking <laughs> you, you i feel like you guys are really fucking with my mind no it's no, true i swear it's true. i cannot yeah. stop I'm, cracking up she was I'm gonna like go get check one. out I this I, dong <laughs> yeah i told her i want one of the, the babies so i'm gonna i'm gonna go get one yeah 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 that's really cool. So if this palm uh, tree and if this palm tree get together and they fuck, they made this baby palm tree. Yeah, she said she has a bunch of little pups on the bottom and she had to cut them out because they guess they're like, yeah, um, she didn't want them all there. All right, I want, I want them. I want them. I'm going to bottle them. I'm going to breastfeed them <laughs> and put it on Facebook. Don't judge me. They're the yeah. cute little short palms that, you know, like mm -hmm. you have like in your yard. So they're not going to grow like 90 feet tall or anything, but yeah. I want a yeah. 90 footer. <laughs> I know, right? Mm -hmm. We uh -huh. had one. We had one right by a mail, our mailbox. I guess like the squirrels probably like dropped the whatever right near the, the mailbox and it kept poking us every time we went in. So we had to get it chopped off. But mm -hmm. the, I think the, the gardener like kept it like he probably put it somewhere, sold it for fifty hundred dollars I'm just kidding. Yep. Hell <laughs> oh, yeah. No. He's totally out there making it rain with that I know. money. <laughs> Probably you want the palm medicine? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's a palm, babies. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, so fun times. That's good. I'm I'm glad that you're making memories. Because mm-hmm. you're you were doing a lot of positive things and I think we all need to do that. Fairy gardens and succulents. That's I where love, our happiness mm-hmm. is. Yeah, I love, love, love fairy gardens. And I see you have I like the little light ha- you have like all the little things that I want and I don't have room for. Yeah. Really Yeah, we have a stuff. bunch. A good friend of ours from um when my son was in the young marines, her she had this idea to have fairy gardens, but she didn't have the time. So she literally gave me like a big grocery bag nice. full of oh, brand wow. brand new stuff. I have so much brand new stuff that nice. um, we just decided to open up and it's really cute. Some of them light up, like the lighthouse there lights up. We have something that says Mel's Diner and it lights up. Oh I'm my just like gosh. it's so cute. cute. Yeah. And it's funny because my daughter decided to take one of my mom's Tupperware dishes and like bury it into the dirt and call it the fairy pool. And there's even like, <laughs> there's like a path. She made a path of rocks that leads Aww. to the pool area. Cool. So creative. So, it's really yeah. cute. Very and I showed creative. my mom. So my mom went and was like, oh, that's really cute. My Tupperware is in the dirt. And then she went and she mailed, <laughs> she mailed her like a bunch of Tinkerbells and like tiny Aww. little furniture. To I add to it. her collection. Super cute. Nice. Yeah. She's going to remember that forever. I love I know. it. <laughs> okay. Come do one at my house. Thanks. Okay. I okay. probably have enough, enough stuff to do it. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So creative. I shared um, a picture. I finally finished my paint by numbers. Mm. I was super stoked about that. It very was cute. a very it's relaxing beautiful. thing. Yeah, I did it really how. good. I love mm. it. I love it. But what I do love most about it is that I used it as a relaxing tool during, mm-hmm. you know, this crazy mm-hmm. time. And I would just do a little bit at a time and you don't have to think about anything. You just, you know, do the, the yep. number part and I love it. So I want to order uh, a sunflower one next. Yeah. Cool. So I love sunflowers. So I'm very excited about it. Yeah, that's cool. Right. We all need our things. Yep. We all need our things. That's oh, right. Good. That's right. Good, good, good. So I wanted to have fun. Uh, last week I did the toy box killer. And was that was really fun. A yeah. Bummer. <laughs> it made so people felt, feel really gross inside. And so <laughs> um, I wanted to do kind of more fun one. And so I'm doing a cult. Yeah. Yeah. And I have been thinking about joining a cult. I've been thinking about it, you know, since I was a teenager. And there's so many to choose from. It's really hard. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I saw this one on um, Netflix. They did a documentary to hear people yelling outside. I thought it was an animal crying. No, that's people having fun. I, oh. I haven't made that sound in a long time. Yeah, so, so, so warning, warning to all of our listeners. Uh, we all have our window. Well, I, I know me and Red do. We have all our so windows hot. wide open. I have my fan mm-hmm. going and a, and a little floor fan going. So if mm-hmm. you guys hear like some weird shit, it's just because we're motherfucking hot. And <laughs> we, we got to do it. We got to do it. We have to. It's hot outside. Okay, so this is a fun one. It's on Netflix. It's a documentary. It's called Holy Hell. Did you have you guys seen it? No. Yeah. I love Ooh, it. I okay. love it so much. Okay. So uh I am 
keeping an open mind, I think I probably would have joined this cult Excellent. at some point. Okay. okay. <laughs> so the person that made this documentary, his name is Will Allen, and he also um, takes you through everything that happened. He was part of the cult. And let me say, I love his videos. He does lots of like short films during the documentary, and he is just so creative. I am really taken with what he does with this. So it, it's a very interesting documentary. I highly recommend. It's called Holy Help. Okay, so he's talking about how when he was young, he would have these thoughts. And I'm sure um, I, I can identify with this because he was always wondering about the mystery of the universe and the meaning of life, right? We, mm -hmm. What's the point of all of this? You know, why are we going through all of this craziness? And he was raised in a Catholic family. He was an altar boy. And he made movies as a kid with an eight millimeter camera. And it shows like all of the clips of things he would make. And one of them was he made a Wonder Woman video. <laughs> and he took a video of him just being like a normal person, like spinning around as a little kid. And then he was Wonder Woman. And it was so fantastic. Mm. I loved it. It was so great. Um, and he made this comment that when he was a kid, no one seemed happy or content growing up. And that kind of struck me because as adults, we're all like dealing with adult stuff and going through our life. And you wonder what maybe your kid is taking from you, right? What kind of impression you're giving your kid. And he just felt like the adults in his life didn't seem happy or content. And that really um, struck him, right? So he went to college, he went to film school, and after film school, he said he still felt lost, right? He was looking for something, he was seeking something out, and after college, he did, he, he came out to his family as gay, and they, they did kick him out, so they oh. weren't having it. It's a very strict Catholic family, gotcha. and so this is kind of what he calls a 22-year search for the truth, and it started in 1985. And then the first video starts of the most amazing clips ever. You hear the song, I Can't Stop This Feeling. Love it. Deep Love in, it. Right? Yeah. Uh -huh. And you see all these beautiful people and they're yelling and they're <laughs> crying and they're chanting and they're hugging and they're playing in water. And I'm all, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he felt like his soul was fed with love and he felt inspiration. You see like men walking around in speedos. And let me say, these people are gorgeous. Like they're really? all models. Yes, it's, it kind of is mind blowing. And you see people like laying on the ground and they're like in these groups and other people would like put their hands like on their arms, on their legs. And the person is supposed to be surrendering, right? So they're doing these, you know, activities like this. And we hear from Will's sister, Amy, and she was the one that told him about this group. And this group is buddha field so i don't know if you've heard of it um but amy said that growing up she always had lots of questions and this group just really kind of opened her up and she wanted will to be part of it 
And uh, so then we start meeting the members from this group. So there's Julian. And he said he was always looking for something more. He said that there has to be more to life. And that's what kind of brought him to the group. And then there's Philippe. And he said, you know, he grew up in a very artistic, hippie uh, type family, but there was no real boundary. So I thought that was interesting. He was looking for boundaries. Mm. Um, then there was Demetrius from Chicago. And he said the way he grew up was very violent in Chicago. And what he needed was love. So all these people are looking for something, right? They're all looking for something more. They're being seekers. Okay. Again, all yeah. of them are freaking gorgeous. Then there's Danielle. And she said she always had a yearning, like, why are we here? You know, what is, uh, our mission here. Um, then there's Murdy, uh, grew up at a very fundamentalist, like fire and brimstone church. And so definitely wanted to like maybe find something else. There was Alessandra. Um, she was kicked out at the age of 15. So she was looking for stability when she found the group. Then there's Chris. And he said he had a problem with authority, but Honestly, he still does to this day, and he kind of like laughs about that. Uh, then we meet Rahita, and she wanted to be a scientist or an artist, but she really wanted to be enlightened. So that's what she was looking for. There was David. He said he always felt lost and empty. Jennifer, she said that growing up, she endured a lot of abuse. So she was looking, you know, for healing for that. Then we have Greg, and all he says is, I just wanted to be a politician. And it was like, how did you end up in this group, Greg? It was, nice. so, it was funny. Um, there was Vera. She wanted freedom. And this group was all about dropping egos, right? Have you guys ever heard that? Like, you need to drop mm -hmm. your ego. So that I like was that, like a, though. Yeah, absolutely. I need a sip of my, my grige. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Grige. Okay. So then we see um, a meeting happening, and they call these satsang meetings. And this one was held in West Hollywood. And we meet the teacher at this meeting, Michelle. And this teacher is ripped as book. Mm, he is really? ripped. Like, mm. I've never seen, like, a body like this. It was crazy. But not, like, roiding, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone said, you know, he had good energy, and he spoke as if he had gone into the cosmos and had come back to tell them all about it. And I thought that was, like, a really beautiful way to put how they viewed him, mm. right? Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. So Michelle said that he had had a master that awoke him and they wanted a mentor, right? So there's a video of this meeting and in this meeting, you know, they're singing, they're smiling, they're playing instruments. It's all like very like, it's very fun, right? And they said, you know, he as a master was very contemporary. Like when you think of like a guru, you think of like an old person, right? Like the beard and all this. And he was the opposite of that. He wore Speedos and Ray-Bans, right? Nice. He was, 
the reason why he had this body is he was a ballet dancer like his entire life and he spoke four or five different languages um so will started going to every meeting and weekly hypnotherapy sessions called cleansings oh. hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll get more into those cleansings later um, the members were together 24-7. They lived together, ate together, they played together. The, fa the family was their, the members, right? They supported mm -hmm. each other. They lived clean, okay? They weren't drinking caffeine, soda, doing drugs, no alcohol. They exercised constantly. Again, these were like insanely beautiful people. <laughs> All their bodies were banging. Um, but they had jobs right? So they had their regular jobs, they lived together, and then they did service for each other. So if anyone needed anything at all, they all helped each other. And they were saying that they were doing 40 plus hours a week of service hmm. for each other. It was interesting. They had quadriplegics in the group and the members took care of the quadriplegics, like helped them do their exercises and every day. So they were saying it felt good right? They were giving mm -hmm. back. And we know how that is. If you give back, you feel good. That mm -hmm. makes sense, right? Um, so by uh, the late, his late 20s, Will was like the filmmaker for the group. So we have all this amazing footage of everything. And I'm really glad that he captured so much that he did. Um, he called one a satsang film, right? Because those meetings were satsang meetings. And it showed people in bikinis, like these little itty bitty 80 shorts that men used to wear where you saw everything they were working with. Um, you see them all like going into the water and <laughs> just playing with each other constantly, right? They so made, bad. Yeah, they made a commercial this commercial is legit amazing. It was for, yeah, it was for wings. It was like a comb. Do you guys remember these combs that like in the eighties you could put up your hair? Banana right? clips. Oh yeah. Like, like a banana, banana yeah. clip, but it was yeah. two separate pieces. Boop. They came, uh -huh. one of their members came out with that. He made a commercial and they <laughs> used those profits <laughs> for their group. And I'm not even kidding you. I would have bought them. I would buy one right now. They were like really super cute. <laughs> <laughs> so the profits they earned went back to Buddha Fields, right? That's a funny uh, name, Buddha Fields. Buddha Fields. Um, so one of the video clips we see is them in raincoats and they're all dancing in the forest. They're all just <laughs> singing and having a great time. Again, this. I want to do that. That's yeah, that I could totally like see fun. you. Yep. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, they used to joke early on, if this is a cult, at least it's a really good cult. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's fun. At least it, it did look like fun. That was the whole thing. Like you see all these beautiful people like having fun and just being very playful with each other in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And they all were like dressed like very like, like popular kids. You know what I mean? Mm. Like neon clothes. It, like they were all like very mm. cool looking, like the cool kids. It was very mm -hmm. weird, right? Not what we normally see in cults. <laughs> um, so Will wanted his other sister, Lori, to, uh, to join. Uh, 
Lori had had like rape trauma in her life and she had an eating disorder and felt like she really needed healing and, and felt like maybe the group could help her too. Mm-hmm. And then we see Will's mom and she does interviews throughout the documentary. And I feel so bad for her. And she says, apparently we just didn't do enough for them. And it was so sad. Like, mm-hmm. and, and we'll see like how she got to that place. She just felt like, why are her three kids, right? Will, Lori, and Amy all are part of this group, you know, um, Hmm. she just, you can tell that she's been through some things, right? Mm -hmm. So Julian, he made the comment, he felt like no matter what, he would never leave this because he was so happy there, right? It was all about them being happy all the time. Um, a member wanted to do something for Michelle. And so they were told that he was told he could like bring in like fruit salad for his breakfast every morning. And he said, okay. So he started making the most amazing creations out of fruit for Michelle, the leader every morning, like little Buddhas made out of watermelon. Like <laughs> you should see the pictures of the fruit salads he made. Like the it, art just, that they made from it. <laughs> yes. Fruit art is a real thing. I I have delved into a little fruit art myself in my day. He takes it next level. It's just gorgeous. Just amazing. And he said one morning he like took the plate in like to give it to him. (laughs) And he saw his like assistant take the plate, take it over to like the blender and just put it all into a blender. And he realized (laughs) that Michelle, the teacher, never even like saw it. And he he said, I don't care. I just wanted to do something for Michelle. And so he continued to do it. (gasps) Yeah. Crazy, Mm. crazy. So um, one of the clips we see is in Arcata, California. I have no idea where Arcata is, but it looks beautiful. They had a shop tea retreat. So of course they were hugging trees and crying. Um, I, I'm not down for that. Um, you see like Michelle going over to each member and they're like having these moments with him and he's like pushing on their forehead and they were talking about transference, which is like energy from the master to the disciple and that they felt blissed out. They felt high, their body convulsed. Like they all just got off on all of this. Like they were all they did. They looked high all the time. But wow. <laughs> and it was just high yeah. on life, huh? High on life. Right. And you know what? I would like a piece of that. Okay. <laughs> they said it was addictive, that it felt like being in LSD state and that they felt like they could see colors around Michelle. Yeah. Huh. They were all about it. So the ultimate step to enlightenment, 1989. This was year four for Will being part of this group. So we see Mammoth Lakes. Mammoth Lakes, what, 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 um, was the knowing retreat. <laughs> this was very interesting to me. So they had the knowing session, and it was based on the Bhavag- Gita. Um, it's about being able to see, hear, and taste God. Um, having God revealed to you. So people went to this retreat hoping to know God, right? And I thought, I don't want to taste God, (laughs) but okay. So 
they have found out from Michelle that not everyone was going to be able to get the knowing, right? Okay. He was going to choose, right? Oh. Um, and everyone wanted the knowing. So um, this went on for several days. Some were chosen, not everyone. And it was highly emotional to see them like meet God, right? Um, so one night on this trip, uh, Michelle told Will that he had been up all night fighting with God. That sounds exhausting. And that oh my God. he was <laughs> fighting for his, for Will's life. And that <gasps> Will was fated to have a terrible accident. And <gasps> he was supposed to die. <gasps> and if he followed his guidance, that he would be okay. And that he needed to trust him. Uh. So the next day after this con uh, conversation, he finds out if he's going to meet God. He would look into the members' eyes and he would say, what do you want? And they would say, I want to see God. And <gasps> he would say, hmm. And some, he would say, bow down, you will know God. So people were crying all over the place, right? It's very emotional. And some people who got to meet God said that they were high from the experience for days, that they saw things, light, flashing light, lightning, colors, all the... I feel like there's probably a good chance that Michelle was putting some funky shit in some water, but I ain't gonna judge. <laughs> Wow. But they were all like that. So Will's sister, Amy, the one that helped Will and Lori like join this group, she was not picked to see God. Mm. And let me say, Amy was pissed. Okay. Because mm. she said after six years, she worked her ass off and she did not understand why she wasn't chosen. Right. And other people who hadn't been there as long were chosen. And Sister Lori, who I really identify with Lori, she's just like, he just strung her along, right? He just knew he could do this with Amy, and Amy would stay no matter what. And so mm -hmm. she didn't get the knowing. Will got the knowing, and he said he felt overwhelmed with it. Um, so a video after some of them got the knowing they all look happy high they're laughing and michelle is talking to them and he said maybe someday this will be in a history book no um but it is in a not netflix documentary so that is something <laughs> yeah might even be better uh, it might even be better <laughs> so then um will made a short film called morning's glory's dance in 1989 and it was like a black and white film and it was really of Michelle, right? Just beautiful things about Michelle. And Michelle asked Will to do service directly for him, which was like a huge honor. And he was like all about it. And he found out that Michelle had been an actor and a ballet dancer. And he danced and worked out constantly. Uh, he had Will give him massages and adjustments, and then he had him move into the apartment next door to him with one of the other members, Philippe. Um, the members constantly told him how much they loved him, 
and they couldn't live without him. And there was about 150 members. And having like so many people tell you that they love you constantly, I think kind of tells you about the person that Michelle is, that mm -hmm. he kind of needs that and he gets off on it, okay? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so ballet became a daily ritual for everyone. He made everyone do ballet. Um, Philippe loved it. He said that 90% of people hated it. It was very intense and he was very hard on them during these sessions. Um, so Michelle told them that they had to abstain from having sex and no relationships in the group, that sex was low energy and that you die a small death when you orgasm. Um, I would disagree, <laughs> Michelle. And um, it was really funny because Lori, like the chick that I, I just love, she's like, I didn't have sex for three years, like super pissed. And then <laughs> somebody else said, uh, everyone was having sex. It was just on the down low. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and nobody told Lori, apparently. Oh, um, no. Oh, poor Lori. Yeah. But these people, like, they worked out constantly, right? They were all beautiful. They all waxed and, like, took care of themselves. Of course they were getting it mm -hmm, all. Okay? Mm -hmm, I was yeah, not surprised sure. by that at all. So uh, they went to Maui, Hawaii, and Will went and served Michelle, cooked for him, massaged him constantly. And really, he was treated like a king in these videos. It, it's, it's over the top, the way that they treat Michelle, right? Um, Will said he felt more healthy and loved ever in his life, but he also had like doubts that he decided to ignore those doubts. Like that little Jimmy Cricket, he said, shut up, Jimmy. I'm doing my mm -hmm. own goddamn thing. Yeah. So everyone had to do therapy sessions every week and pay for them. Hmm. Where have we heard that before? And... Mm -hmm. It was $50 a session, and it was like regression hypnotherapy. So Michelle, of course, was the one doing it, and he would take them through their childhood and letting go of things and all this stuff. People would cry into pillows during these sessions. They would share their thoughts, their secrets, right? They just shared everything with Michelle during these sessions that they felt good after. They felt like it was helping. Okay. Michelle gave all the members new names. So you're not that person anymore. You're this new person, right? Um, so Amy became Emiliana, Lori became Crystal, and Will was Francesco. What? Like yeah. Doc Angelo's place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So we see videos of Will. He's putting on Michelle's shoes for him. He's drying him off, right? It's just insane, the things that they're all doing for him throughout this whole video. It really mm -hmm. is crazy. So Will's mom speaks, and she said that they wanted her, her kids wanted her to call them by their new names. And she said, no, that's not what I named you. I'm going to name you the names I named you. Right? Like, I get this, mom. I get it. And then they all came together and they said, Well, we need to detach from you. Where have we heard that before? Right? Wow. Yeah. And she said she just could not believe that her kids were doing this, trying to detach mm -hmm. from her because they had a very happy childhood. Like, she said, it was a really good upbringing. She has no idea why this is happening, which is really sad. And then we 
oh, just makes me so sad. Then we see a member, Vera, and she's talking about um, her father was dying. And mm -hmm. she was told she was not allowed to go see him and that she had to break a, the bond from him. And that over and over again, like she would like put together like flights, but then cancel it. Like, put to, you know, like she really wanted right. to go see her dad, but then she, she, she said no. Right. And she just started crying and you just know that Aww. she wasn't with her father when he died. And that just made me so fucking sad. It was so sad. Mm -hmm. And then there's Will's mom and she's saying she always suspected that it was a cult. Like she felt like her kids were in a cult. I think you're right, mom. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. um, Amy said it didn't feel like a cult and Michelle always made a point to say this is a non-group and we're anti-cult. This is not a cult, right? So in 1991, it was year six for Will and the group. And there was this weird situation where there was a non-member and his name was Kenny and he fell in love with a member like insanely gorgeous, beautiful. And he was stalking her. He was straight up stalking her. He was not a nice guy. And Kenny started like attacking Michelle, like just talking a gang of shit to him, saying he was a cult leader and everything. And Kenny went to a cult awareness group. So I don't know if you guys have heard of this, that there are groups that families um, go to, right? If their kid gets involved with the cult where they like try to work together to like go get the kid out of the cult Ooh, and then try crazy. to like, right, cool. like, okay. like on, but right so just in case any of our kids join a cult or if I do you can come find me yeah. that way mm -hmm. we're joining this group <laughs> right so the group felt really threatened by Kenny right because he was saying it's a cult it's a cult right um so they decided to leave and in the middle of the night, Michelle said to Will, we're going, everyone else can wait uh, for instructions, but you, my cook and bodyguard need to go with me right now. Oh no. I want a cook and a bodyguard. Oh my gosh. All right. So there was a video message that was made for Michael um, by the members and it was weird as shit. Um, the members, of course, are doing like th their hands like this and saying namaste, but then they're saying things like, master, I will go through fire for you. Ooh. You've given me life. I uh. can't live without you. Like it's super, ugh. I, I, <laughs> I could not do that. Okay. Oh, so gosh. <laughs> this cult is getting harder and harder for me. <laughs> ballet yeah. every day? That shit ain't happening. Right. Yeah, the I'm ballet. Crazy. You lost and... me at ballet. Sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Michelle started acting like very odd and kind of obsessive. Will said that he was closer to Michelle than anyone and that he didn't even know who he like really was, which I thought was very interesting. Michelle would say to Will that leaders with new thoughts were killed. And I think he was afraid of like being murdered or something. Uh, Michelle had come to the U.S. to be an actor and uh, his name was Jaime Gomez. And so his stage name is Michelle Rostand, which I oh. thought that was odd that he was using his stage name as 
his master name. Hmm. 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 So then Philip, Philippe, one of the members, um, <laughs> is really funny. He's like, I assumed he was probably a really good actor until I saw some of it. <laughs> and then they show clips. <laughs> Of, like, Michelle back in the 60s, like, in his acting gigs. And it's so bad. It's so bad. I just eat it up. It's so bad. Um, He was in Rosemary's Baby. (gasps) Wait, in the real Rosemary's Baby? Is there a fake one? Well, like, the play. (laughs) Like, the real movie. Yeah, in the real movie, Michelle is in Rosemary's Baby. At the very end, he's the creepy guy that looks in the camera like this. Oh, what? And then that's his part. That he doesn't have a speaking role. Cool. No, role. Okay. <laughs> no, honey. And then somebody heard a rumor that maybe he had done some pornos, but they did not believe that he did pornos. More to come. <laughs> so they're on the road for six months. They're trying to find a new place, and they decide on Austin, Texas. What's up? I have family in Austin. Beautiful. Um, and a member bought him a house. Thanks, member. What? That was really nice. And then Michelle changed his name to Andres. Huh. And uh, then he had the people move in like small groups at a time. They all sold their homes, quit their jobs, and they moved to Austin, which is crazy. Huh. They all came. So new people all the time were joining the group. They're constantly recruiting. Um, They recruited from ballet places because they did ballet every day. So that would be Mm -hmm. a good, good one. They recruited from yoga classes, right? And again, everyone is insanely good looking. It makes me uncomfortable. So 1993, it's year eight. Will is in this group and Waco happened. We all know what Waco is. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And it completely freaked out, Mich- I should say, Andres now. And he really wanted to keep the group a secret, right? And he would have the people practice what to say to the FBI if they were ever captured, that they didn't know him, that they had never met him. And he would have them practice this, which is so weird. Katie. He would, yeah, he he would have them lie to their parents all the time. Like he never wanted their families to actually know where they were. And he would have people travel to Europe and send out postcards for people from Europe. Like that's where they were, which was weird, crazy. And Will's mom said that she would get like little pieces from all over the world. Right. And she's like, I, I knew he lived three hours away in Texas. (laughs) He ain't fooling me. (laughs) It was so funny. It was so funny. Um, So Will is like starting to be like in charge of people and they build this beautiful home in Texas and it has this insane garden and aviary. It has peacocks and a wallaby and it's this total sanctuary. And let me say it is gorgeous. It is. It's beautiful. So that's a pro for joining this cult. So I'll write Mm -hmm. that down. Um, (laughs) But then the aviary got taken over by rats. And yeah. yeah. And then Andres would tell the people, you need to kill these rats. And he, they said that they were killing rats constantly, like just 
they would take Ew. shovels and just constantly kill these rats. And Ew. One, one of the members said that they felt like he was trying to teach them how to be like his like little warriors, right? Like killing yeah. these rats all the time was super gross. Yeah. Um, so in 1997, year 12 in the group, they found some land nearby and they built a theater because Andres always wanted a theater, right? Mm-hmm. And there were some days during the build of this theater that he would say, I don't like the walls or I don't like the placement of the windows. Take it down and start again. <gasps> and they would. They would take a massive wall down and start again. And then he would yell at them for not being done. If it was up to him that this theater would have been built by now. But then he would be calm and he would say, this is just a lesson from you for you to learn from. And then he would start yelling at them again to get that <laughs> shit done. Okay. <laughs> he was all that sounds like, over the place. That sounds like when I'm trying to get the kids to clean the room. <laughs> yes. Yes. It, it's just like that. It's full mom mode. Right. Right. <laughs> this is insane. So he would choreograph ballets for the group. They rehearsed for hours a day, elaborate costumes, sets. They would rehearse for a year and then they would do one show for themselves. Interesting. Let's do a show for ourselves. (laughs) Would they videotape it at least? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Where can I get this? Hey, there's a video of all of it. It really is. Oh Oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> and one of the members said like he he lived like uh, a celebrity right he uh-huh. had members as a chauffeur a cook he had people constantly cleaning his house um people were always massaging him and giving him adjustments like he didn't have to do anything for himself right where where do i sign up <laughs> i'm just kidding see see sounds amazing um he would call members like out of the blue and say like what are you doing and like in the middle of the night they'd be like well i'm sleeping homie and they'd he'd be like you better get out of bed because there's service to do and they (gasps) would yeah yeah Yeah, he was very controlling so no tv no radio no newspapers like you can't have any of it One of the members got a new puppy, like she wanted a puppy and he found out and he made her give it back because he doesn't like dogs. Hmm. And that made me so sad. The puppy was super cute. Um, There's a video of him dressed as Miss Universe. I'm not even kidding. Like full on drag as Miss (laughs) Universe and everyone is clapping for him in like the theater. It's it's really over the top. It's really over the top. (laughs) So then they make this video, the La Femme Fatale video in 1999. And yeah, Andres is singing. And it's all about this woman and her sexy ways. But it was like made into a funny video, right? (laughs) And um, here comes the point where I kind of drop a a big one on you. Okay. For sure he's gay. Okay. We've all gotten that vibe right yeah for sure for sure he's gay right and they said that he was like a juvenile talking about sex like he was very weird about sex like something was off there right 
And there was this beautiful girl in the group. Her name was Sophia. And she was like this insane ballerina, right? So just Mm -hmm. gorgeous. And he, Andres, would ask Sophia to hang out with another member, Chris, right? You guys can hang out and kind of like couple up a little bit, but no sex. No sex is allowed, right? And Chris would say that he also kept five other women from him, like, would always like kind of be in charge of relationships, but no matter what, no sex, right? Can't do that. Naughty, naughty, naughty. So that would be a problem for me. Yeah. Okay. And so, like I said, they were obsessed with their bodies. They're all really good looking. Um, But he would like suggest plastic surgery to to them. Like, oh, maybe a little something, something here would make you look better. He himself wore makeup every day, mascara, fake eyelashes. He was very vain, like insane. He would have members get surgery that he wanted before him so he could see what the results looked like. What? Yes, yes, yes. That's weird. Uh, Will said that anytime Andres got mad, he would turn the camera off so nobody saw that side of him that they would Mm. have sayings to each other was kind of like a mean thing to say each other and it was drop your mind almost like knock it off but like Hmm. drop your mind stop thinking right right i'm gonna start telling the kids that just drop your mind drop your mind i swear drop your mind i said what i said drop your mind (laughs) drop it i I said what i said (laughs) (laughs) oh you're gonna hear it Mm. (laughs) drop your mind drop your mind (laughs) so then on a very serious note one of the members Vera she was like in love with another member and she got pregnant and he made her get an abortion oh no yeah yeah really sad so I know in 2006 that it was year 21 of being with the group Mm -hmm. um and this is when shit get cray buckle up y'all and met a member sent out an email to the whole group letting them know that he was being sexually abused by Andres in their sessions. Oh, I believe it. Their their sessions. That he was unwanted, he did not want to do it, and that this had been going on. And some of the people believed and some of the people did not believe, right? You're in Mm. a cult. Some people are going to be like, not true, but Mm -hmm. other so then we um, see member Chris, right? And Chris said he knew it was true because it happened to him also. Mm. That in the private therapy sessions, and you can hear recordings of these sessions. Ugh, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Like Andres would be asking him, like, have you ever thought about having sex with a man? When you fantasize about what do you think about? And if Chris said, like, women, he'd be like, no, not women. Huh. Like, he really was pushing mm-hmm. on that, right? And so then we hear from another member, Julian, and he said that after therapy um, in the beginning, um, he kissed him, right? Andres kissed him, and that he did not want to kiss him, right? He wasn't interested in that. And then, you know, he just kind of broke him down and had – sex with him like on a very regular schedule he said it was like every like monday and saturday like clockwork 
after Chris? the therapy session that he had to have with him. That, that he had to pay for. Yes. Shit. Yes. Yes. Oh <laughs> That's fucked up. Yeah. That Andres would tell them to take off their clothes, to not be attached to anything, to come closer. Um, they would be on their knees in front of him. And then he would say, well, just do whatever comes naturally to you. And run, run. That's what he said. <laughs> Chris said, I wanted to run. That's what, because that's Chris, what came natural. Right. And also Chris is a heterosexual male. Mm-hmm. He likes women. Right. And, um, he said it was just it was just insane that he completely ignored like that was not even a thing that he liked women right um if any of the members like would resist him in these situations and like one of the members that he would like start crying that andreas would say okay now let's go into hypnosis let's go to your childhood you know who are you resisting from your childhood and they'd be like i not resisting someone from my childhood. I'm resisting you. And mm-hmm. he would say, no, no, no. Let's go back. Let's go back. Go down. Like he would make it all about like, you're resisting something from your past. It's not me, which is so mm-hmm. disgusting mm-hmm. and so manipulative. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God. So, um, so like Dre pointed out, Chris, this member was super pissed because he said like, every Monday for five fucking years, he would go into to this therapy session. This guy would fuck him when he didn't want to have sex with the man. And then he'd have to pay $50 for it. Oh, oh my God. Disgusting. So then I want a refund. Refund. He has receipts. Um, so then do you guys remember that beautiful black ballerina, Sophia? Mm-hmm. Um, Andres had told Sophia to stay away from Chris and Sophia said, no, I really like Chris and started spending time with Chris and like they got together and Chris said it had been his first girlfriend ever. And he was 28 years old at the time because he had oh, been wow. with the group this whole time. And he oh. said that Sophia like saved his life, like, because mm-hmm. he had been dealing, he, he'd been sexually abused. By this this man, it's awful. So then, one by one, men started coming out with stories, like gay and straight men coming out with stories of the things that he had done to them during these therapy sessions. Um, and then Will is talking, and you know we know Will, the guy that made the film, he is gay. Um, he said that he had sex with him for the first time when they had gone to that Hawaii trip. And that he had said it was for him, that his master had done it to him, and that it was very special that he was doing it with Will, and that he was saving Will's life by doing this. And yeah, and that Will felt very alone and never told anyone about it that entire time, 21 years, never told anyone about it. Awful. And then it comes out where Vera says that Andres had had her tell people, family members, you know, people in her life that she had cancer so that he could heal her. How terrible is that? How terrible is that? 
Nice. Like, I can't uh-uh. even. And then, here's a shocker. He was a porn actor. And then <laughs> they show a clip of him in a porn doing shit I didn't know could be done. Did you watch it? <laughs> it was, it was. Was it gay I porn or was it boy girl porn? That, no, no. No, no, no. It's animal the boy and the boy. No. Well, because I said girl, boy, boy, boy. And you're like, no. And I'm like, oh, I said okay. boy, 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 boy. <laughs> it was very boy, boy. Okay. It was um shocking. So then. <laughs> Wait, let me go back. So you saw it? <laughs> yes, it's in the documentary. They showed a clip of it. <laughs> they show okay. a clip of it. And he comes out of nowhere and you go, <laughs> really I, I had no That's idea funny. people could do that with their bodies interesting all right you learn something new every day <laughs> so people said no more right all of this was coming out and people were saying no more we're done with them and people were saying it looked like his like face went black and that he lost it and he was acting like completely crazy and that the spell was broken with him and that within a week of all this coming out, people were leaving. People were like, hmm. bye. But Will, <laughs> yeah, Will, the guy that made the documentary, he said that even after all this, he felt obligated to Andres, which is so sad that he has like this bond with this person that has been sexually abusing him for decades at this point, right? Mm. Um, And so then people are summoned to a house to watch this video of Andres, and it's a message, right, that he's trying to give to his people to stay with them, right? It is a shit show. This video Mm. is a shit show, and it is in the documentary, and he's insane. Everything he says in the video is crazy. Uh, awesome. 10 to 20 people left during the video. And then after the video was done, that nobody bought it. Everyone was like, oh my God, like, what the fuck mm. have we been doing with this guy? Right? Right. Um, so then after all this time, out of nowhere, he goes, well, I think we should have another knowing session where people get to meet God, right? Oh, so he's no. trying to pull the God thing. Disgusting. Oh, no. Uh huh, and so then he um, went to Amy, and Amy had no idea that Will had been hurt by Andres, right? Mm-hmm. So Amy was still like being supportive to him, and he told Amy that we need to destroy the members that are trying to destroy your master, Amy, and we need to find someone to destroy their lives. Uh, find out if there's a way we can contact IRS on people, like things like that. Like he just lost his shit and he wanted to like get back at these people who gave him their lives, right? It, it's crazy. So he decides to fly away and relocate to Hawaii because all of his members said peace, right? Mm-hmm. And Will decides this is it. I, I can't be with him right anymore after all of this. And so after 22 years, that's such a long time, he left the group. He left Andres without even saying goodbye to him. 
And so then you see the house, it's like 2007 in Austin, Texas, and it's totally abandoned, like totally broken down, like where they used to live. Um, and then all the members are just like in this lost state, right? They leave the group and what do they have? They've been there for decades. Mm -hmm. They don't have jobs or cars or money. You know, they, one of them said they had $45 to their name. Mm. That's sad. Wow. And they had all detached from their families, right? It was the, such a shit show. It was so bad. And so really they talked about like, <clears throat> They regret it, but they don't regret it because they learned a lot, right? But mm -hmm. Andres was a pathological narcissist and they were codependent. And so mm -hmm. they like, you know, worked in this really sick, twisted relationship. And it's just so sad. But Will's mom um, just said, I was just ha happy to have them back and that I had prayed for this for years and mm -hmm. that my kids were back. And so, of mm -hmm. course, a mother's love, right? Right. Of course. Mm -hmm. Um, members felt like they were brainwashed, that they had felt special and loved, um, that really he manipulated them. And so then at the very end of the documentary, you see five years, you know, after everything kind of came apart, they're in Hawaii and there's a view of Andres with his new members. <gasps> uh-huh. So oh, he's still no. doing it. He has a hundred followers in his new group. And his new name is Reiji, which means, of course, God King. <laughs> this guy. Oh, gosh. Um, nailed it. He's like, I'm going with God King this time. Uh -huh. um, yeah. So then there's, you know, a video. They're on the beach. Um, Andres is, you know, around his new members. And Will is there. He shows up and he's taking a video of all of it. And he walks up to him and he starts talking to him. It's a very awkward conversation. They haven't seen each other this whole time. And Andres says to him, well, people come and go, like, no big deal. And Will says to him, are you being a good boy? And Andres says, no, and starts laughing. And it's just mm. disgusting. Mm -hmm. okay. And so then Amy, the sister, um, at the very end says, uh, you need to go down, you ugly son of a bitch. Fuck you. <laughs> he flips off the <laughs> That's classic. Nice. Do it. <laughs> it was so bad. She was just like, fuck you. <laughs> she really wanted to meet God that first milling session. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he's still doing what he's doing. He's still doing cult stuff in Hawaii. So look him up. I don't know if you're interested. Look up God King or Reiji. And, um, I just think that he is just such a predator. For sure. Just yeah. disgusting. Yeah. All, for him to do that to his members and just make them do things that they did not want to do for years and years and years. And then told the rest of them, no sex. Sex is bad. Low energy. Yeah. And then he was molesting everybody. Yeah. He's right? a disgusting human being. So that's the Buddha field cult. Yeah. Woo. Woo. Sorry, long, y'all. Reminder, reminder not to join that one. No, no, join it. Do it with <laughs> me. And, and what was the the documentary called again on Netflix? Holy hell! Holy hell! Okay, mm -hmm. excellent. Crazy, crazy. I'll check, I'll check that out.
So I, I looked up the, the name of the documentary while you were talking so that I could add it to my list. And it said that it had a paranormal aspect to it too. Am I wrong? You are incorrect. There was no paranormal aspect at all. Huh. Okay. Okay, cool. Sorry. <laughs> Except they were all high on LSD seeing colors and shit. Wow. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. All right. All right. So, you ready for some paranormal? Ooh, Do right it. Okay. Do so, it. my story is going to be on Robbie Mannheim. And just, just go with the flow here. His name is also Roland Doe, and that name was given to him. To, <laughs> Roland and Doe? Yep. To, um, <laughs> that, that, that name was given to him um, to protect his identity. So Robbie Mannheim was born uh, June 1st, 1935. He was Happy an only- birthday. <laughs> he was an- <laughs> only child uh, to Carl and Phyllis Mannheim. They lived in Cottage City, Maryland, and they were just an ordinary close-knit family. Robbie was a quiet kid. He never got into trouble. He read comic books and listened to the radio. Now, this is the 40s now, so, you know, that's basically what they would do. And then one day, his favorite aunt came to visit. Now, I got three different names for his aunt. I got Harriet, Tilly, and Millie. And I'm gonna go with Tilly because I like that name, Tilly. So we're mm. gonna go with Aunt Tilly. Aunt Tilly was a spiritualist and she uh, would use the, the Ouija board quite often. So she actually decided that she was gonna show Robbie how to use it. So oh, at this point- By yeah, little so, learning session. <laughs> right. So, so Robbie's 14 at this, at this point. So it's him and his aunt, they're playing the Ouija board. And then sometimes Robbie would grab it and play it on his own at times. Oh, never. Yeah. That's Uh-oh, bad. Robbie. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. Bad news, bad news. So Side Saturday, note. Yes. Did you guys see those Ouija board masks? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I want. Me too. I know. I we, need to, we need to write her. We need yeah. to write that trick. Okay. Yeah, I, I like them. Mm-hmm. So Saturday, January 15th, 1949, Carl and Phyllis went out and Robbie stayed at home with his grandma. And all of a sudden there was this weird dripping sound and it was quite loud and it was th- coming you know, from throughout the house. They had no idea where this dripping sound was coming from. They searched everywhere. There was no leaks, but the stripping sound just constantly started going and going and going and going. And then they noticed there was a painting of, of Jesus up on the wall, and it started to shake on the wall. And then the drips turned into raps and thuds and scratches throughout the house. They didn't know where oh, those no. were coming from. Carl, the dad, thought that there were rats, so he tore up floorboards. He broke through walls. He even called an exterminator in. No rats. So they didn't know what the fuck was going on. So January 26th, this is 11 days after the beginning of all these sounds, uh, they got a phone call and Aunt Tilly had passed away suddenly. And this, no, Aunt Tilly! This, yeah, and it devastated, devastated Robbie. Hmm. So what did he do? He decided to grab the Ouija board and he tried to contact her. 
Oh no. And they think that this was the beginning. This was the cause of what is going to be coming up into the story. So after Tilly's death, the drips, the scratches, everything stopped. There was nothing going on. But then there was some new activity that started to happen. This is uh, bananas, so hang on tight here. They would hear the sound of marching. They would hear uh, muffled voices, like large groups of people just having conversations. Furniture started to move on its own. They heard they, like soldiers? Yeah, like marching, yes, soldiers marching throughout their house. What? Furniture started to move on its own. A vase levitated and then flew across the room and smashed on the wall. And then it actually followed Robbie to school. And what happened with him at school, he was sitting there in the classroom and all of a sudden his desk started to shake. And then it started to rock back and forth with him on it. And it started bumping in and hitting all the other desks of the kids. What? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it sounds like Robbie got his first boner <laughs> and he was trying to hide that shit real good. And this is, this is kind of what people thought too that was actually happening. They thought not it the, was his first boner. Yeah, not the boner part, but they thought, oh. you know, that Robbie was, was kind of doing something. Not the boner part. Yeah, not the boner part. <laughs> then there were all these slashes and scratches that were starting to show of like come up on Robbie's arms and legs mm -hmm. and uh and then there were some on his chest as well so Carl and Phyllis were freaking the fuck out and they're like what the hell is going on so they decided to take Robbie mm -hmm. to the doctor the doctor couldn't find anything wrong with him they said maybe it's epilepsy that's always the the outcome when someone's maybe possessed something's going on with them they always have epilepsy then they took him to go see a psychiatrist there was no explanation the psych psychiatrist said there's nothing wrong with him so now we're going to february it's february 17th uh they turned to their uh lutheran pastor who uh came over and did a whole observation at night in robbie's room and he basically heard robbie's uh bed starting to vibrate. He heard scratches on the walls. There was a heavy armchair in the in the room and it tipped over on its own. Then there was a pile of blankets that were near Robbie and they lifted and flew across the room. Mm. And he was like, um, yeah, I can't help you here. You're going to have to call a priest, Catholic priest. So mm. he referred them to a Catholic priest. And one thing I forgot to mention is they live in Maryland, but Aunt Tilly lived in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. So they went to St. Louis, Missouri to, with family and uh, they were contacted by a priest that was there. And the priest's name was Raymond Bishop. And uh, Bishop ended up calling a longtime friend and colleague, Father William Baldern, who, uh, him and uh, Father Bishop both went to the house in St. Louis, Missouri. They went to go see Robbie and they actually witnessed all this crazy stuff. They witnessed Robbie's bed shaking. They witnessed flying objects. Uh, Robbie begins speaking in a de demonic voice. Father uh, Bowder knew uh, he, he needed an exorcism. He basically came to the conclusion that Robbie was possessed. But, um, but what would cause this? Like, I mean, you, you wouldn't think that the ant would cause it, right? 
no, um, more likely it was the Ouija board and playing it by himself. Oh. He opened up a door for something and he probably didn't know how to play it right. And maybe he contacted um, Aunt Tilly. He and called he the thought, wrong number and he got and Somebody was pretending to be Aunt Tilly and he opened up to them and it really wasn't her. Which okay. is more likely. All right. Because you, when there's some type of demonic possessions or something, if you're like in a, you're doing a ghost investigation and you uh, see little children, you see like nice little sweetie children, you know, talking to sweet, sometimes it's not always the ghosts of children. It's demons pretending to get you like, oh, ha ha. And then, yeah. Demons are the worst. I know they are. They're like rude and like cryptic. <laughs> So the archbishop uh, granted him uh, permission to do the exorcism, but he had to do three things in order for this to happen. Number one, he was the one to perform the exorcism. Uh, a daily detailed journal needed to be kept and none of the info was to be disclosed to anyone. So those were the three I have three a things. weird question. Uh-huh. Do priests like do they all get taught how to do exorcisms? Is it something that just some of them learn how to do? Is it like a training boot camp with like crosses and like they're coming over the floor with more crosses? Do you know I what think, I mean? I think back in the day, like years and years ago, I think they all learned it. And then maybe in the, in the 20th century, they didn't. So there was a special, special group that learned how to do that. But actually, our Pope that we have now actually said like a few years ago that um, it needed to be come back and that every single priest needed to learn how to do it. Interesting. That's not frightening as hell. I know, right? Right. What are they hiding? What are they hiding from that us? That scared the shit out of me when you just said that. I know. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> needs to know how to do this. Shit's about to get crazy. I know, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, <sighs> Hey, listen, I believe it, guys. I do. Ugh. I have some stories. I got to tell you guys some. Oh, no! Not tonight, not girlfriend. No, it's too no. late. It's too late. Not tonight. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no. Not All tonight. Right. I should just cry myself to sleep. With <laughs> yeah. Great stories. <laughs> All right. So Robbie was taken to the Alexian Brothers Hospital. This is in St. Louis, Missouri. And he was admitted to the psych ward on the fifth floor. Father Walter Holleran was called in to assist Father um, um, Bowderin, and a third priest, Father William Van Roo, was also called called in. So there's the three priests. They're all around Robbie. They're uh, doing the exorcism. Robbie just continuously um, he spits in their faces. Wow, oh, uh, he shakes and squirms and the bed starts going crazy. Uh, there was a bottle of holy water on the, the nightstand that flew across the wall, smashed into a million pieces. Then scratches started to appear on, on Robbie's chest again, but this time it spelled out words. It spelled out evil and it spelled out hell. And in the process, Robbie got so crazy that he uh, hit Father Hollerin and broke his nose. <gasps> and then maybe there was father a... hollering was doing some <laughs> naughty shit to robbie and that's mm -hmm. the real story i know Nailed it, figured it oh, out gosh. Yeah. yeah yeah no priest mm. would never do that 1949 i don't know but we'll yeah we'll just For go sure with it. they did 
So then, then this is the real fun part. After he breaks Father Holleran's nose, he uh, says in a demonic voice, um, and he starts being really rude and obscene to the priests. He starts laughing and hissing and screaming, and he uh, starts saying words like um, he starts talking about genitals. He starts talking about masturbation, masturbation, uh, telling them to go fuck themselves, to go stick wow. their shit up their ass. Yeah, he starts going off. Right, the ritual was performed thirty times over oh my a, a two month period. Yeah, and this is why what? people died. Like having these exorcisms. There's so many stories where these people died during their exorcisms because it's such a grueling thing and there's another one that i'll do in the future 30 is, times in two months yeah yeah crazy right uh, i feel like maybe i've had some of those like during the last few months also but that seems excessive <laughs> this, yeah no you you didn't i'm gonna tell oh, you, you okay didn't. cool all right okay. cool the demon then told the priest that he would depart when Robbie stated the correct words. So they were like, okay, what are the fucking words? They eventually uh, figured out what it was, and it was Christus Domini, which means Christ Lord. And Robbie finally says this, right? And then there's this loud thunder-like or like a shotgun sound, and it just like echoed through the whole hospital. And then Robbie just started saying, it's over, it's over, it's over. So at this point, uh, they think th that they've succeeded, that the, that the demon, the devil is gone. Robbie uh, receives communion, and then he gets to go back home to Maryland with his family. Ooh, I'm so nervous right now. So although Robbie's true identity was never revealed, it said that uh, he does not remember anything about this possession. He grew up, he became a scientist, he worked for NASA, he got married, oh had children, and he led a, a normal life. He's still alive to this day, as far as we know. And, and he, he doesn't remember any of this? Nope, and he's totally normal, like nothing ever happened. Oh, man. So these three priests. Um, what a trip. Yeah, so Father Baldern, Father Holleran, and Father Van Roo, uh, they became like really like top priest in the exorcism world. Uh, Bowdern died in 1983 at the age of 86. Holleran died in 2005 at the age of 84. And Father Van Roo died in 2004 um, at the age of 89. So today, the house is owned by a man who happens to be an atheist. He has He's had no activity. There's nothing really going on in that house, whatever. Uh, now it's like a hot spot for like all these investigations and whatever. So in 2013, my buddy Zach Beggins and his crew decided to do an investigation there. It was no big deal. It was just like whatever. Mm -hmm. And then Destination America um, in 2015, they did it a day before Halloween. They did Exorcism Live where it was... <laughs> It was the first time in U.S. television history that a live exorcism um, was done on the actual house. Now, it wasn't an exorcism done on a person that was possessed. They, see, they said Aww. that maybe there was something still lingering in the house and they were going to get rid of it. That's lame. I didn't see it. I didn't want to watch it. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was lame, so I didn't see it. Uh, but I want to see a real one. 
Oh God, no! Okay, you don't. I don't. No, <laughs> I can. I, okay. I want to be in a cult, and I want to see an exorcism. Okay. Well, <laughs> this story. Careful, careful uh, Jewish for. <laughs> yeah. So there is an author. His name is William Peter um, Blatt, Blatty, and in 1971, he wrote a horror novel. And what was it called? It was called The Exorcist. And oh, it was based on Robbie's, it. yes, it was based on Robbie's story. What? He just did a little mm. tweaking. Yes, so The Exorcist is based on a true story. What? But instead, instead of it being a little boy, he changed it to be a little girl. Oh, wow. Well, her haircut was like a little boy, so <laughs> well, she had cute. No, she had cute little hair. She had short ass hair. No, no. She, she did it? An no. Exorcist? You're thinking about I'm Rosemary's thinking about baby. Rosemary's baby. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I think about the exorcist when her hair's going everywhere and she's spewing every, like, No, it was long. She had long, cute little girl uh, hair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I take it back. Okay. Forgive me. So, so in 1973, it was turned into a movie starring 14-year-old Linda Blair mm -hmm. and a crazy, ruthless director named William Friedkin. Mm -hmm. Hold on. So this movie was about an angelic little girl who was transformed into a tanker sword, vomit-covered, yeah, so insane monster, right? Uh, and of course, what comes along with that, this movie had a curse. Right. I have heard that it had a curse. Mm -hmm. So Shudder, Shudder is a channel that does horror movies 24-7. Yes. Mm -hmm. They have a new series out. It's called Cursed Films. It's a five-episode series. The oh. first one is about The Exorcist. And guess what? Timo's going to do all the other four. It's going to be fun. Oh, how cool. Woo. That's so cool. That's on Shutter. I'm going to write yes. that down. So there's a lot of scary and horrible things that happen before, during, and after the making of the movie. The first weird thing that happened was the set caught on fire. They said a bird flew into some electrical something and set the whole set on fire. But guess what? Reagan's bedroom was not touched by fire at all. So the That's rest weird. of yeah. So the rest of the set burned to the ground and Reagan's room was perfect. That delayed the filming two weeks. That's creepalicious. It is. Yeah. So in the movie, okay, so Linda Blair, it's the bed scene and, and it's Early on, she's not deformed yet or gross or anything, but her bed starts to shake and then she's like thrown back and forth. So like she's bending at her, her hips and she's yes. going up and down and up and down. Well, they had strapped her into this like contraption and uh. was being manipulated by men that were pulling her up and down, up and down. Well, in the, when they first started doing it, some of the, the lacing broke and she was actually being bent all weird. Oh my God. The screaming in that, and that scene was the actual scene that she got hurt in and they oh, used no. it because this director was a motherfucker and he just, he would just oh, go to like, my God. and they showed clips of this after when they stopped and poor Linda Blair's like crying in agony oh, pain, this poor little God. girl. It's this so 14 year old girl. I know, oh I know. Gosh. So Ellen um, Burstyn, she played Chris McNeil, the mom. Uh, there's there's this really horrible scene where um, she's masturbating with a cross. Sure, I yeah. A crucifix. I mean, who hasn't mm -hmm. been there? Right. And the mother comes in, and Reagan at this point is just fully possessed, and she grabs her mom's face and she 
pushes it into her coochie. And then her face <laughs> is <laughs> the way you said it. Who said coochie? I so said hoo ha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Into the, her hoo ha, and then <laughs> she, she and then she pushes her and throws her across the room. Well, they actually mm. had her on some type of harness where they yanked her, and this director said, "Yank as hard as you fucking can. I don't care what it takes." <gasps> oh no! This gave. Uh, Ellen Burson a uh, permanent back injury. She had it for the rest of her life. And that scene is, is the shit. actual, yes, that scene is the actual scene of her getting hurt. So they use that mm. scene as well. I forgot oh to tell you, God. when Linda Blair was fa failing around, she actually uh, fractured her lower spine. Oh, on the right. Yes. That's why, that's why she was in so much pain. Oh, poor thing. Okay, mm. so what's the next? they ever sue this director for being a dickhead? I don't know, but they should have. I mean, right? Poor little girl. What a 14, piece right? of shit, dude. Yeah, that's awful. Then mm -hmm. this is fucking freaky, you guys. There was actually a murder that was in the movie, and let me explain no. to you what this was. So, in 1972, William Franken, who is the uh, director, mm. he went to the radiology department in uh, at NYU to see a procedure of like how they like do these like um, old old tiny like brain scans and whatever. And there's a part in the movie where they're doing all these tests on poor Reagan and they like do this like weird thing where they like stick this like needle into her like neck and it's really gross. She's in so much pain and whatever. Well, mm -hmm. he wanted to know what it was like so that he could put this into the movie. So he wanted everyone that was in that procedure, he wanted them to be in the, in the movie. So the doctor was the actual doctor during this procedure. And then there were some attendee, you know, like um, tech technicians and whatever that were all involved. They were all in the movie. So they weren't actors. They just basically, he said, I want you guys in the movie. I want you to do exactly what you did. Yeah. So there was a, uh, a, a guy um, in the movie. And if you see it, he's this, you know, cute little blonde guy. He tells her, you know, I'm going to strap you in just in case you get hurt so you don't get hurt you stay in bed whatever so in um september 14th 1972 no this was in 77 sorry a man named addison verrill was found dead in his west village apartment and they had no clues on onto who did who did it but through a series, this, this reporter, you know, was doing some investigation and he was actually contacted. Somebody called him and said, I killed this guy. It was a, um, it was a crime of passion. I didn't mean to this and that, uh, they ended up. It was up, a whoopsie daisies. Well, whoopsie -daisies. The, the guy was like stabbed. I mean, it was not, but whatever. So it turned out that it was this guy, his name's Paul Bateson. He was this tech that was in this movie and he, uh, confessed and he actually killed like seven other people on top of it. So it's so what? freaky. That I, in, I in the crimes of passion seven crimes I, I don't of passion? I, yeah yeah no no but it's oh so weird oh my gosh that's creepy yeah it's ah. so creepy it's so creepy okay the big one Creeper is all the, alert man yeah. and now when you alert. see him you think he's such a nice like doctor like nice little and then you're like ah he's the murderer okay the, this is the big one you guys there were so many deaths that happened before during and after production of the film uh, during the film, uh, Linda Blair's grandfather died. 
there were two actors that acted in the film. They both died as well. Jack McGowan, he actually plays the, like the British director of the movie that, that, she's, that the mom is filming in the movie. He died like one week after they stopped filming. And then um, I'm gonna do an impression y'all because this is my oh, favorite part. This shit. is my favorite part of the movie. Uh, this lady's name is Vasiliki Malaros and she played uh, Father Caro's mother. And oh, it's so sad. So his mom, he loves his mom. They're like Italian, whatever. And he's forced to put her in like a, like a nursing home, mm -hmm. but it's yeah. like a really bad one. And, um, he goes to see her and the mom's pissed and she's like, why you do this to me, Demi? Why? Why you do this to me? Yeah, so it's so sad. But then, but then the devil uses that on him afterwards and he starts saying the same thing to him during the exorcism. He's like, you're not my mother. And he starts freaking out like the devil knew how to, what to buttons to Had push. Work yeah. Mm -hmm. Be your mom. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Max von Sido, he's the, the older priest that was uh, doing the, the exorcism. His brother died the first day of filming. There was a security guard that died, a special effects expert that was there to basically make sure that the set stayed cool. He died. A cameraman's uh, wife went into pre- uh, pre-labor she gave birth to a stillborn baby no and then a janitor was shot and killed uh what? that he, he was working on the film and he ended up being shot and killed and oh, then weird. yeah and then in 1987 mercedes mccam um McCain she was the one that would drink like pickle juice and all this stuff and she chain smoked she did the voice of the demon which is the demon's oh. name is Pazuzu and because of course Linda Blair couldn't do that as a little girl so this lady right. basically did that she was the voice of Pazuzu in 1987 her son um walked into his home one day shot his wife and children and then killed himself <gasps> yeah it, it's so crazy wow. you guys and then Jason Miller who plays Father Karras um, they were on a beach. It was deserted, and this motorcycle came out of nowhere, ran over his toddler son. Um, oh, he didn't. God. He didn't die though, but he like almost died. But that was just like some freak weird thing. Like, where did this mm -hmm. motorcycle come from? They were deserted. Like, like it, yeah, it's totally bananas. And then there was a set maker who lost the thumb during the production, and then there was a lighting tech who lost a toe. And then during um, the beginning of the film, um, they're on an excavation and they're in uh, Northern Iraq. And father, the older priest, he finds this like little medallion and it's like this little thing of uh, the, the demon, Pazuzu. And then he actually, then it comes face to face with this huge, ugly, like statue looking thing. It's like a kind of like a dragon that has like these wings and it's this huge, statue of Pazuzu. Well, they made the statue and they wrapped it up and they decided to send it to Iraq so that they could use it in filming. Well, it got lost, ended up in Hong Kong, and then they found it in Hong Kong, sent it back to Iraq. So that delayed filming for like two weeks. So all the oh shit was like basically God. going on. 
And then uh, lastly, there's a few other bizarre little events that happen. Uh, the very first trailer that was played on TV, and I think you guys might have heard this before, it was kind of like black and white, like uh, digital pictures of like the characters, but it was like a, a, a flash, almost like a strobe light. Well, it was pulled because I guess it was giving people like all these horrible yes. seizures and stuff. Yes. And then I'm going to read to you uh, what they would play when they played the trailer, the, the right trailers. This is what they would play. Um, it says, The Exorcist rated our threat to mental health. The Exorcist is rated R. Admittance under 17 requires accompanying parent or adult guardian. It may well be the most dangerous motion picture ever made in relation to its potential threat to the emotional health of preteens, teenagers, and some adults as well. So that was something that they printed. <laughs> that is like so crazy bananas. <laughs> so they said that at each showing, every showing that they had, at least 12 people fainted during yes. the film. Yeah, a, a woman fainted so bad that she fell and she broke her jaw. People mm -hmm. threw up during this during the movie all the time. Mm -hmm. During during the Rome premiere, there was a huge thunder and lightning storm. The rain was just coming down. People just had to like just like you know bite the bullet and go into the mm -hmm. rain and go see it. Well, lightning ended up hitting a 400-year-old cross on this church that was across the street, and the fucking cross fell down into the, <gasps> the, the little plaza below. Yeah, wow. thank God nobody was hurt. It was it was total oh, bananas. Uh, they said that people would say that you shouldn't play this in your theater because it opens up a portal to demons, and then your whole theater oh. is going to be haunted. And then Billy Graham, you know who Billy Graham is, right? He yes. said that the film was uh, demonic, it was cursed, and it had some subliminal messages. It didn't, but he was saying it did. And the reason why he said that is there's this one part where they're showing uh, Linda Blair as the demon. She's kind of like swishing around and whatever. And then this other demon's face like flashes on the screen really fast. And you kind of don't really and it flashes a couple other times like during the film like one time it flashes when the mom's in the kitchen and you you kind of like wait did i just see that did i not see that you kind of don't know so that's uh -huh. what they're saying that and it it's it's they meant to do that it's not subliminal you actually do see it mm -hmm. and then there's another... i have a i have a fun fact okay just wanted to share so cool. my first job ever when i was 15 and a half was working <laughs> at a movie theater mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. that's where me and my husband fell in love at the movie theater so there was at a point where we played exorcist at the movie oh, really and we yeah. had people throwing up really in the theater. and i really did think like because of the time it came out and people didn't see a lot of crazy shit, that's what uh -huh. caused them but we had people these times used to right. crazy shit throwing right. up in the theater and people we mm -hmm. had to have these poor you know teenage boys go and clean up throw oh, up oh man it was you awful. know another, another fun fact about that is when that part was being remade that was the director's cut that was remastered and there's this scene where reagan does the spider crawl backwards down the stairs uh -huh. And mm -hmm. that was cut out of the original film, but in the director's oh. cut, that's in it. So yeah, and that's, that's such a. I wonder why they kept that out because mm -hmm. it really was freaky. Yeah, it's so freaky. Yeah. 
Okay, a few more things. Um, Linda Blair was said to have uh, a lot of mental breakdowns during this period of time, uh, during the filming and after it, but she denies it. Uh, There's films of her being interviewed by many reporters and they asked her that. She says, no, I don't think any other person would have been able to handle it, but I handled it great. She did not. (laughs) She did not with your finger up all. People would see her in the street and they'd fucking run away from her, crying and screaming. Yeah. She and then another thing. So they in this um in Shutter in this documentary, they go. I don't know if you guys know this, but she has a dog rescue in like Lancaster. No. Oh, yeah, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, she uh, it's like out there somewhere. It's like mm-hmm. Lancaster, it's in the Antelope Valley somewhere. So she we has this visit. huge she has this huge dog rescue. Uh, she's like a crazy dog lady now. So they're out there with her interviewing her. Um, she got many death threats on top of what was going oh, no. on. 14 year old getting death threats. So they had to assign all these bodyguards to her and it lasted for six months. They, whenever someone asks her about it, she says, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. So I don't know. Oh yeah. I don't know. She's just a little kid. I know. Acting in a movie. Oh, that's awful. I know. But to this day, she, to this Mm -hmm. day, she still will not, she will not discuss it. And she's like really adamant about it too. So there you go. The story, uh, the story of the exorcist and all the stuff that was cursed on the movie. Yay, Ooh. exorcist. Yes. Let's watch good, it. Good, Let's good, grow good. up. Let's do it. Yeah. So I done back a few episodes back, I done Rosemary's Baby. And I'm happy mm-hmm. to announce that Rosemary's Baby is not one of the five. So there's a few other ones that I just, I'm so excited wow. to do. So, yeah. I'm actually surprised it's not on that list. Right. Well, this is the first season, so maybe it might be like, but they're the ones that they do do for this is mm-hmm. there's some big, big ones, big ones, yeah. So is Shutter an app, or is it just a channel? It's an app, but it's also a cable channel. Okay, so all right, cool. You can get it through Amazon Prime. So if you go through Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. you can see Shutter, and then you get your seven day free trial, and then I think it's only four ninety nine a month. So it's really cheap, but there's not that many movies. Uh, it's not oh, okay. like a huge library okay. of movies. Mm-hmm. I might just keep it around until I see all the movies. There's some really like older, older ones that I want to see. So I might keep it around past my trial, but uh, sure. yeah, yeah. For fun. How about that? Right up, right up my alley, right Do up it. my alley. Yeah. All right, y'all. It's badass story, story of the, of the week. week. Woo! Woo! Give it to me. I need a badass. (laughs) I got a badass for you. Okay. So there's a guy in Missouri. His name is Todd Burkemper. Missouri. Missouri. I was just talking about Missouri. You have to say. In Missouri. Missouri. All right. (laughs) I got Missouri today. (laughs) So he's been working his ass off since he graduated from high school, from college in 2011. And he was very lucky with a career as an app designer, senior software developer at Buildium. Um, while he had a bunch of golden opportunities, he never stopped looking back and watching over his younger brother, Alex. Alex is six years younger. And, um, you know, they grew up together and they hung out. Um, he always took care of him and he was a good big brother. So he continued to be a good big brother because when Alex graduated from college in 2017 
he said, hey, why don't you come live with me instead of moving back with mom and dad, you know, and I'll help you out, like give you a start. So Todd allowed Alex to live rent free with him in his home that is for six nice. months. That already is nice. Six months. Very nice. Very nice. And then, and then after that, he said, all right, you know, you've been rent free for six months. It's time for you to start paying the rent. And so he started um, charging him full rent payment every month. Well, unbeknownst to Alex, he was putting that money away in a savings deposit uh, to be like kind of like gifted later. And um, just this year in May, during the pandemic and all, Alex decided it was time to stop living with his brother and to purchase a home of his own. And Todd walked up to him with his phone and starts recording and shows him the the deposit amount or like the amount on the bank account. It doesn't tell us how much it is, unfortunately, here. But he says, you know, you've succeeded. You've done so great for yourself. I just want to let you know that every penny that you gave me for rent, plus whatever else I could give, mm. is now yours. Oh, my ah. God. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Yay! like... It's such a heartfelt moment, and they got I it on love video. It. So, cool. so you guys, my landlord is doing that with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. Do you think so? <laughs> but do you think? Oh my god, yeah. I love that story. Isn't it cute? It Take was care of very sweet. Brother. Aww. Aww. Yeah. That is very sweet. He held on mm -hmm. to all that money. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad. He I love did it. Well enough for himself. I think people are amazing. Like mm -hmm. there's a lot of really amazing people out there. And he did that every single month for how long? You know what I mean? Like yeah. every single yeah, month like, he did that. So crazy. For like three, I think it's like two and a half, three years, something like that. I want to be a better so person. <laughs> Stop it. The badass story of the week has inspired me to do more. Yeah, right. For sure. I must join a cult and quit my job immediately. <laughs> yes, do it. Good. I'm close. I'm close, bitch. Okay. Um, good badass story of the week. Yay. Yay. Good job. All right. So we have a survey. We need people to fill it out. Yes. Immediately. Wait. We really enjoy um messages on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can email us at handcuffsandsage uh, at gmail.com. And the, what's the website, Tima? Handcuffsandsagepodcast.com. And we have our Patreon. We need to upload some fun pictures, maybe a yes. baby. I don't know. <laughs> yes. he, looks, he looks so cute with the headphones on. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Our uh, juvenile pre-podcast uh, yes. class. Yeah. yeah, we only use professionals <laughs> in the making of this podcast. Yep. Um, the best. We we really appreciate all of our listeners uh, listening and giving us feedback and sending us messages and trying to answer our whittle of the week, which is super cute. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> That's with our our down the rabbit hole episodes where we are yeah. joined by our buddy Rock and we talk. Um, I always say the wrong thing. 
it's, it's conspiracy, conspiracy. I always say I want to say controversy <laughs> for some reason. Conspiracy <laughs> theories. And <laughs> actually, I, I came across a bunch of people that were so interested in um, our first um, part that we did on uh, the fall of the cabal. And mm -hmm just out of the blue, they started talking about stuff that we had already talked about. I'm like, wait yeah. a minute, you have to listen to our podcast because we're totally getting into that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. It's because very interesting. It's overwhelming. It is. It is. Right. But we do have a lot yeah. of people that are interested, mm -hmm. uh, you know, commenting on Instagram about the fall of Cabal. So, right. um, I think a lot of people are interested in that. So, that is what comes out Thursdays. Those are our conspiracy theories. It's our down the rabbit hole series. And we always do a whittle of the week. Yes. 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 So that's fun. So much fun. Mm -hmm. We love the whittle of the week. Do you want to do the whittle of the week for this one? Just kind of let them know what we're working on. Yeah. So the one that we just did last Thursday, which I will give you the answer on this Thursday. Let me find it here. Where are you? I love the <laughs> listeners that like message and they go, well, my husband thinks it's like, <laughs> girl, I wonder what you think. How about that? <laughs> um, it was such a good one. That was a funny Instagram message. I'm like, you know what? That's why I can't answer this one because I, I just start <laughs> laughing and I'm like, my brain is in the gutter, yes, guys. Yes, we it's all work in the gutter with this one. Right. Yeah. All right, so here you go. I come in a lot of different sizes. Sometimes I drip a little. If you blow me, it feels really good. What am I? <laughs> All right, so send your <laughs> ideas. I don't us. know. <laughs> All right, so we all needed this. Thank you, everyone, for your love and support. Are we yes. all ready? Yeah, okay. we're ready. And remember, we, we do, do what we want. want. Woo! All right, I'm going to bed tonight. Bye, guys. <laughs> love you. Bye. Night-night. Bye. Handcuffs and Sage is hosted by Red, Timo, and Dre in a shitty guest room in Los Angeles. Theme music is Leave Now by We Are Wasted. Cover art done by Megan Winchester. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Show us some love on iTunes. Be a badass and do what you want. Until next time.